Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, guys, good morning. I want to go ahead and dive right in. Mark chapter 4. Jesus is teaching a parable because he wants us to understand um, a, a spiritual truth. And, and he starts speaking in Mark chapter 4, verse 3. He says this. He says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As, it was scattered, as he was scattering the seed, some fell among the paths where it did not have much soil. So it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came out, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns. Someone say among thorns. It's the title of the message today. We're talking about among thorns. It said, other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other fell on good ground, and they came up and grew and produced the crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. And when Je- <clears throat> then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When the people were alone, and when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked, the par- asked about the parables. I like the way Matthew said it. Uh, in Matthew, the same story is written in Matthew 13. It says, why do you use parables when you talk to people? Why, why, why do you speak in other parables? In other words, we have no clue what you're talking about, Jesus. Like, like we'll sit there and we'll nod. Have you ever done that when you're in a conversation with someone and they're nodding along? Like, yeah, I understand what you mean. And you know they have no clue at all what you're talking about. The, the, the disciples, like, they put up the front, like, yeah, we got it, we understand, they have the birds, the seeds, the thorns, all that, yeah, yeah, and they get along, well, what are you talking about? What does that make sense? Help us understand, and that's what I want to pray today, that as we get into this word, Jesus would help us understand the spiritual truth that he's trying to speak to you and to me today, so that none of us would leave here confused, but we would all understand well, his love for us, his truth for us. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear, and that you would give us eyes to see, and that, God, I believe there's a truth that you want to deposit into each of our lives. And right now, in Jesus' name, we pray that the enemy would not be able to come and steal away this truth, and that this truth would be able to dig deep into our hearts, and that we would be changed and affected by it. God, help us today to be good soil, God, even though we stand among thorns. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Jesus begins to explain to the disciples, I want you to understand what this parable means. He he says, first of all, you need to know that that the seed, there's a sower going out, and the seed uh, that is being sown is the word of God, and it's good seed. And and he sows it in a lot of different places, in a lot of different environments, and, and it's good. This seed is good. There's nothing wrong with the seed. He says, it falls in different environments, and the first environment that it falls in is the footpath, the path, and and really this group of people that the seed falls on, the word of God falls on, it gets stolen, he says. 
Jesus said the birds came and ate it. And the disciples didn't understand what the birds were. So Jesus very plainly and clearly explains to them that the birds are Satan. The birds in this story are Satan, which makes sense because Satan is the prince of the air. He operates in the heavenlies. That's why there's so many catastrophes where it comes to weather all across the world. He is, see, Satan is the little g, little, little tiny, itty bitty, smaller font than the rest of it, g, God of this world. And, and we see that he operates in the heavenlies. We, we see that the Bible tells us we're wrestling against principalities and powers of the air. And J, Jesus categorizes them as birds. And he says, that the birds came and stole it because the seed was sown among the path. Now, now, realistically, plants could grow on a path. There's soil there. There's sun there. There's no reason that, uh, that, that a plant couldn't grow there. But really, a path is not a good place to grow a garden, to grow a plant. Why? Because there's too much movement there. There's too much passing by, too much, too much movement, too much traffic, too much noise. And, and this is what is compared to in our life is what we live so much of our lives in right now is having lives where there's just too much noise. There's too much going on. There's too much loud all the time. I'll tell you what, I understand being in a life where there is just a lot of noise I live with three girls. I am the minority in a sorority, okay? So I'll tell you, I understand what it's like to have some chatter. And I'm not talking about you, baby. I'm talking about our daughters. Our daughters, they, they, they be making noise, right? And it's crazy because, like, we have noise everywhere. The, the TV's on, and we're hearing opinion after opinion. My gosh, we just came through a political season and we heard some opinions. There was some noise. And we get in our car and we turn on the radio and, and the radio's making noise. And then we get to work and, and there's noise there and our phone's going off and there's text. I looked around my house and realized and was embarrassed to see the culture that had taken place in my house of noise where I got home and saw that the TV was on. That I'm on my, my laptop, like watching TV, I'm on my laptop answering emails, and I have my phone in my right hand, and I'm playing Candy Crush at the same time. Now, that's ridiculous until I looked around the room and saw that this was the exact same thing that was taking place with Amelie and with my daughters as well. It's too much. It's just too much. There's too much traffic, too much moving by. And Jesus is saying that this first group is an environment. This is a, a, your life can be an environment where Satan can come and steal the very thing that he is trying to plant in your life. And I wonder, is your life an environment of a footpath? Is there traffic there? And Jesus said it this way as he explains in verse 13. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand any parable? For the farmer sows the word. Some people are like the seed along the path where the word is sown. And so they hear it and Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. So this first group, they come to church. This first group is hearing the word. They're receiving the same good seed that other 
people are receiving. They come to church and hear the word. And have you ever, have you ever experienced it where you come into church and you are completely blessed by what takes place in church? And like you come in and there is a connection with God there and, and you, you feel like God has given you direction and you, you're getting vision for what's going to take place and there's life change decisions going on and business decisions and there's hope and he's encouraging you and you're empowered and you feel like you're in an atmosphere that's changing your life and you walk out to the car and you sit down in the car and, and right as, as soon as you sit down you recognize the other people in the car they're like uh so where should we go to lunch and you're like wait a minute we were just like like God just gave me vision that, that that we could start this year a different way. We could we could do the first of this year differently. We could put him first. The 2017 could be different. And you get in the car with the person next to you, and you're like, so you want to go see the Bronco game? You're like, you're totally changed, and, and they're unaffected by it at all. And Jesus is saying, see, what happened is somewhere between the door of this house and the door of your car, the birds came and snatched away that very seed. The birds came and snatched away. They stole away that word that was good, is good for you. We don't want to be in an environment. We don't want our lives to be in an environment where there's so much movement, so much traffic, so much stuff that, that, that God plants something in you and, and it can get taken away from you. It can get stolen away. See, it, it's funny that just even in this room we, we can recognize that there are times when, when the enemy is trying to steal things away from you. See, every week you look at me while I'm up here teaching, you get to see me, but I think something you haven't realized is I get to look at you every week while I'm up here teaching. And it's funny because you'll see it where there's, there's people who are being changed and affected and nodding along and like on the edge of the seat ready to go, and then there's someone there picking your nose. And like, and like, like some people are receiving the word of God, others the, the environment of your life, you've allowed it to become a place where the enemy is coming and stealing away that very thing that God wants to plant in your life. That's the first group. The second group, the sower seeds, sows seed everywhere. The first fell on the footpath. The second group falls, the seed falls on rocky places. Verse 16 says, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word at once and receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last for only a short time. And then when trouble of persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So the Bible refers to the attitude in which this group receives the word of God. They receive it with joy. They receive it with gladness. It's like, I heard the word. I agreed with the word. I like the word. But there's a difference between receiving the word and agreeing with it and actually committing to it and allowing it to grow down into you. And to affect you and change you. There's a difference between receiving it on an emotional level and allowing it to get into you in a spiritual level. And the Bible says that since some of it was sown into rocky soil, it grew for a little while. But since there was no depth, they didn't have any roots. See, sh shallow people have no depth. Rocky place people have no depth. So they receive the word on a superficial level. I agree with it, but I'm not going to let it change me. I, I heard something today, and I thought, wow, that's incredible. I agree. I want God to bless me financially, but I'm not going to do anything about it. I, I agree that I want 2017 to be different. I want to put him first, but, but really I'm not, I'm not going to spend the time to, to let it grow deep enough to where anything would change in my life. See, see 
people who don't have root, they're shallow. People who have let the environment of their life come to a place where there is no commitment, they can react to something emotionally, but they don't make a commitment to it on a spiritual level. That's why James says, I want you to be doers of the word, not just hearers of the word. Like you gotta, you got to put commitment into letting God's word dig deep into your life, and it takes a commitment of action. It's like going to a Weight Watchers meeting and sitting in the back and listening to them talk about how you can lose weight and follow these points and being like, that's right, I'm going to lose weight, that's wonderful. And you leave there and while you're eating at Buffalo Wild Wings and you've got like your third platter of wings coming and you got your second batch of fries coming out there with the salt and vinegar shake on the top. Oh, Jesus, help me, I need some, need some Buffalo Wild right now. Like, like you're sitting there going, going, I agree with the fact that if we did that, it would be good for us, and we see we have no root. It's like I didn't commit to it. And it's easy to do this when it comes to our spiritual life. Like, I wonder how many of us, Jesus warns us about it. Like, are you saying, I agree with the word of God, but I'm not going to let it dig deep enough into me where it can actually affect me for change? Because people with no root, the Bible says, the, it says something about it, it says that the, the sun came out and scorched them because they had no root. See, when you look at someone with root and you look at someone without root and times are good and the sun is not scorching, there's not persecution, they don't look differently at all. They're like, they look like the same person. Everything's going fine, it's going good, but what, what having a root will do is it will be revealed when you go through a trial of are you still standing are you still there? Are you still able to make it? Are you still able to hold up even though the sun is beating down on you and hurting you right now? But you're still making it because you dug in and Jesus is saying there's a group of people that, that you could allow the environment of your life to become so shallow where you're not digging in to where, to where for a while it's like you're holding on to it. You're excited about the word of God but you're not letting it change you. It's like... It's like saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to something as long as it doesn't get difficult. You know, I, I want to be a Christian as long as no one argues with me about it at work. I believe God is the only way until I get into a group of people that have coexist stickers on the back of their bumpers. And then I don't want to say anything about it because I don't want to make anyone feel awkward, right? It's like, I, I agree with God's plan for my life. And I agree I should make some changes as long as it doesn't get in the way of my schedule. Because after all, I would have to move things around in my schedule there. And Jesus is saying, guys, guys, you got to understand. God is putting a seed in you. And a seed could, oh, we don't even know what the seed is yet. But he's putting a seed in you. He's wanting to plant it in you. And, and as it grows, you got to let it grow deep so that you can keep it. See, because it's going to be the trials in life that, that reveal your faith. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be the trials that you face in life that show that you have root in your relationship with God. And let me hit the pause button for a moment and say how thankful I am that I look around at a room full of people who you have root in your life. I see people in here for years. You've, been come, you've gone through some storms. I look around here and I see people who have lost loved ones. 
I see people who have had, had kids go off and, and just make the, the worst decisions and have gone through some storms. I see people who have been there through good times and through bad, and you're still here year after year after year because you've allowed God's word to take root in your life. You've committed to it. So there's the first group, that seed that fell on the footpath, an environment where there's so much traffic that the that Satan could come and steal it. Then there's the second group, the rocky soil, where you haven't committed to letting, to letting God's word take a, a deep root in your life. And then Jesus talks about the third group. And this group is interesting to me. It's a group I want to talk about for a little bit before we go today. Because then he says there was seed that fell among thorns. The plants began to grow. It was good seed, and it went deep into the soil, and it started growing. It began to grow, but then the thorns choked them out. And Jesus goes to describe the thorns in three different categories. He said, you, you can understand that the thorns that will choke out what God's doing in your life, he looks like these three categories. He said, the, the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things. Yeah, he says, look right here in verse 18. Still others, like Seeds sown among the thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, being worried about everything all the time, not giving it to God, being worried, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desire for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Let me, let me skip down to, to, the, to the deceitfulness of wealth. Because I think a lot of people read that and misinterpret it and think, well, some, somehow money is wrong. Uh, something is, is wrong with wanting wealth. And that's not true at all. In fact, we see in Scripture God wants us to be blessed. He wants us to be prosperous. But it's talking about the deceitfulness of wealth. One translation says the lure of riches. Lure, like fishing. What is a lure other than something that would draw you towards a trap? See, wealth promises something that it can't come through on. It promises something that it can't deliver, and that's what deceit is. It promises happiness. Wealth promises you that if you had more, you would be happier. This time of year is the perfect example of this. You turn on the TV, no matter what station, you're going to see commercial after commercial after commercial. If you had this product, then you'd be happy. If you drew, drove this car, then you'd be happy. If you had this new iPhone, then you'd be happy. If you had this car, then you'd be happy. If you could go on this vacation, then you would be happy. That somehow, if you had more, you'd be happy. But what they don't tell you is all of the wealthy people who are hooked on sleeping pills and who, who die with needles in their arm because they're, they've got so much stuff, but they're realizing that there's no hope, there's no happiness, there's no peace that comes with the stuff there's a deceitfulness of wealth of believing that if I just had more than I'd be happy see God tells us he wants you to have stuff but not ever believing that the stuff is going to be what makes you happy and not ever believing that the stuff is going to be what takes care of you see this is this is worshiping stuff when you get into a lifestyle of thinking, I just need more to be happy, then you worship stuff. And this is obnoxious to God because then we want the gift more than the giver. It's like if I were to buy you a car and you take the car and you leave me, like you could have had all of this, right? Right? Sorry, that got awkward. Um, but that's, I've got to tell you, that's why I love my wife because 
She wanted a relationship with me before I had anything I could give her. And see, God is saying, I could give you anything, but, but when you start worshiping the stuff, you want the thing more than the giver. You want the, the, the gift, and, and, and the gift can't give you anything that you need. And then he goes to, to the, the last category of this thorn. He says, the Bible says, the desire for other things. The desire for other things comes in and chokes the word, the desire for other things, it, it uses the word chokes, to choke out, to crowd out. There's nothing positive about the word choke. Ch- choke is a bad thing. Like, like, no one in this room wants to be choked, and that's like a no-duh. But, but what happens is that it happens so slowly, it creeps in over time, that you don't even recognize you're being choked until you realize you can't breathe anymore. And it's saying that, the desire for other things. Well, what is other things? Other things, anything that takes place of, of what God wants to do in your life. Anything that can creep in and get in the way of the seed that God is trying to plant in your life. Let me ask you a question. Are you busy? Okay, come on. Every week I talk to people and it's like, I say, hey, how are you doing? They're like, I'm great. I'm just so busy. Are you busy? Every one of us, we deal with busyness. You know, in technology and marketing, they actually have a term for this. Uh, The term is called feature creep. Feature creep. Has anyone in this room heard the term, the technological term, feature creep before? Feature creep. Let me give you a working definition. This is what they talk about in marketing. Feature creep is the tendency of companies to constantly update and add new features which inevitably lead to complex products that are confusing and hard to use. Okay? So it's like we had a product, it was really good. We created it because there was a need for the product, but then we thought, oh, wait, we need more. Like, like, instead of just making the product better, we think what we could do is we can add more to the product, and then once there's more with the product, if I can add more to it, if I can just cram some more stuff in it, then people are going to look at it and go, well, since there's more, it must be better value, so I don't want that junky thing that just did the original job it was made to do. I want the new stuff that's got the more stuff, in. And, and, and it doesn't matter. You know what? I'll probably never even use the more, but I want the more stuff, and David Pogue in his 2006 TED Talk explained this concept of feature creep about technology and marketing to a room full of people when he opened up Microsoft Word and he then opened up the toolboxes and clicked every toolbar that was available in Microsoft Word and opened them all up at the same time and this is what you were left with. Approximately one half inch in order to be able to use this software for what it was originally intended for. The reason we have Microsoft Word is so that we can type, right? So that we can can write something. And we have added so much more to it that now all you've got is this one little space to try to accomplish what it was originally intended for. We add way too much stuff. Another example of it, uh, there's probably many of you in this room that have the classic Swiss Army knife. We have a picture of a classic Swiss Army knife. Here it is. Like, 
you recognize it. There's a little bottle opener. There's a knife. Like, and I think that one probably even has the toothpick and the tweezers with it. So it's like it's the original multi-tool. We go, there might be a time where I might need a knife, and then there's times when I might need to open a can or a bottle. So, so this is a good tool. And over time, they decided we're going to add more tools to that and more tools to that and more tools to that and more tools to that to where now you look at a Swiss Army knife and it looks more like this. <laughs> that, that is actually fake. That was, that was just create, that I don't know what pocket you could put that in. But, um, but actually, if you get on Swiss Army Knife's website, the Swiss, Swiss Army shop, you can find a multi-tool that has 80, get it, 80, what they call 80 essential features. Makes me wonder, do you understand what the word essential means? 80 essential features. And one of those, as you read through the list of the 80 essential features of this multi-tool, one of the features is a pharmaceutical spatula because there are so many of us in this room that that is an essential feature that we need in our life, right? And see, this is exactly what God's word is talking about. This is exactly what Jesus is talking about, this desire for other things. You and I... Um, can, can go after things and, and seek after other things and, and start acquiring those other things. And as we acquire them and we add them to our life, it's like our life only has so much capacity. We only have so much time. We have so, only have so much space. So as we add all of these other things, I wonder have we added so much to our lives that there's only a little bit of room left for what we originally intended for. Because you know God created you and the intention of him creating you is that you could have relationship with him, that he, you could have intimacy with him, that, that, that you, could, you could know him intimately and closely, and he wants to bless you, and he wants to lead you, and he wants to guide you, and he wants to fulfill every need that you could ever have. And I wonder, have we, have we, have we added so much to our life that there's just so very little, little room to do what we originally intended for? It says the desire for other things. Well, what are other things? Well, it could be bad things. I mean, it could be a sin pattern. It could be alcohol. It could be drugs. It could be pornography. It could be vanity. It could be uh, gossiping. It could be all sorts of sin, bad things that would fill up our life and choke out what God's trying to do in us. But here's where it gets tricky Here's where so many of us Christians get confused by this, is it could be the good things. It could be things that we've been praying for. It could be things that, that we look at and say, this is a really good thing, but we, we add so much of it to our lives that now all of a sudden I don't have room anymore. And, and we go, you know what, soccer's really a good thing. I want my kids to learn some things from team sports, so I'm going to put my kids in soccer. And then i got a daughter that I want to put her in dance, and she's going to learn a lot from dance. And there, there's all this going on. And at one point, it was just like two nights a week of practice. And then every once in a while, we'd have like a weekend game. And, and, and we got to add that to our schedule. But now that two nights turned into three nights, turned into four nights. And now, now I've got this cab driver thing where I'm driving one kid to soccer. I'm driving another kid over here to karate. 
shopping. I'm driving another kid over here to dance. And then all between all that's going on, it's like I've got, I've got different business things that are going on. So my phone is ringing all the time. And I'm working while I'm in my car trying to move my kid from one place to another. And my life is filling up so much. But then we come to church and we realize that God wants us to be blessed. So we try to put ourselves in a place in life where God can bless us with more. And as he gives us more, we think, you know what, I've always wanted a boat. So since uh, I wanted a boat and God's blessed me to a place where I could get a boat, I buy a boat. And now that I have a boat and I have no other days of the week that I could use my boat except for Sunday, I'm taking my boat to the lake on Sunday. And now my boat has mud all over it, so i got to clean up the boat. And then I'll, i got to get my kids to soccer practice, so I'm going to get them to soccer practice. And I can come back and I can clean up my boat. And once my boat is there, I realize, oh, my gosh, it's going to freeze and break the engine. Now i got to get my boat winterized. And, and, I, and you say, Dan, is, is soccer wrong? Dan, is dance wrong? Is, is buying a boat wrong? None of these things are bad. None of these good things are bad. But what Jesus is warning us about is don't ever let the good things crowd out the God things. Don't ever let, I mean, I've talked to two different people in our church specifically. I've had this conversation twice now where they've said, you know what, my entire life I've had the dream of having a mountain in the cabin. Or, sorry, a cabin in the mountain. Blah, 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 blah. Of having a cabin in the mountains. They said, my whole life I prayed for it. God, would you bless me to where I could have it? I want it so bad. God, it'd be such a cool place where I could get away and just take a break. And, and, and two different occasions, two different men have come and said, you know what? I realized something happened. I realized that I was serving my God and loving my God and, and he was doing things in my life and he was blessing me and he blessed me to the point to where I could afford a cabin in the mountains. So I got that very thing, that other thing, the desire for other things. I got that thing I was looking for and then now I need to use that other thing or I feel like I'm being wasteful so now I'm in the mountains and I'm at the cabin and I don't have time to serve anymore and I don't have time to make it to church on time and to worship and and now I'm finding myself back in that downward spiral of getting farther and farther away from God and missing out on the very things that he wants for me. And I wonder, even the good things, there's nothing wrong with being blessed. But are we allowing the good things to choke out the God things in our life? I hurt Kayla's feelings. Kayla's my 10-year-old daughter. I hurt her feelings on Friday morning. Because I woke up and I poured a cup of coffee and I sat down at my computer and I started working on emails and there were some, some things that came up in my email that surprised me that I got very intense on very early in the morning and I'm focused on this. I'm shooting an email off here. I'm working on this. I'm sending this off here. I got texts going this way and that going that way and this going that way and I'm just and I'm drinking my coffee and focused on what's going on here and I finally hear my little 10-year-old girl go, <sighs> and I looked at her. What's wrong with you? She goes, so can I or can I not? Can you or can you not what? And I saw this disappointment, this frustration on her face because my daughter had come downstairs and she said, Hi, Daddy, good morning. I love you. Hi, Daddy. Hey, I want to have a muffin for breakfast this morning. Can I have a muffin? Daddy, can I have a muffin? Hello, Daddy. <sighs> the whole time my daughter was speaking to me, but I had so much other stuff going on that I didn't even hear her voice. And I, I wonder, like, how many of us, God is speaking to us. He's, he's going, hey, 
Hey there, I got something for you this morning. I want to tell you something. I got a blessing for you. I got a plan for you. You've been praying about an answer. I got the answer right here. Are you, hello, hello. And we filled our lives up with so much other stuff. We, we're living among thorns. See, Jesus wants to plant a seed in your life. And what is a seed but potential? What is a seed but a tree in disguise? In fact, what is a seed but an orchard in disguise? And I think the reason why so many of us struggle with not allowing God to plant seeds in our lives and allowing so many other things is we don't understand what it is that God's trying to plant in your life. Because you look at a seed and it looks like a seed. You don't recognize that there's a mystery to the seed, that, 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 that really there's an orchard there, and that what God wants to do is he wants to give you a harvest. He wants to give you blessings, not just of one tree. The Bible says 30 times, 60 times, 100 times multiplied. He wants to grow things in your life. The things you've been praying for, he, wasn't, he doesn't want you to see that. He wants you to see that and a lot more. And he goes, I'm trying to give you something right now, but is but is it getting choked out? Because if you knew, if you only knew what God was trying to put in your life, what you would do is you would go out to the garden of your life and you would start tearing everything that could possibly threaten that seed. It's gotta go. It's got this, this in my schedule, it's got to go. This in my sin life, it's got to go. This in my pattern, it's got to go. I, I can't fill up my time with this. I can't fill up my time with the news. I can't fill up my time with all these other things because God wants to plant something in my life and I, what I want is, is so little in comparison to what he wants for me that, that what I have been doing in my life, I throw it to the side and I'm going to protect what he wants to do in my life. I want to be good ground. Because that's what Jesus says. That's what he says here. He says, he says, others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Sometimes it's 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Good soil are people who hear and understand the word of God, and they decide, you know what? I want to be blessed. I want what God wants in my life more than what I want in my life because he wants better for me. See, the first group, the second group, and the third group, they all received the exact same seed as the fourth group. Same seed in all four groups. The only difference is the fourth group had good soil. Would you stand with me? I'm going to invite you to bow your heads now. I want to ask you right now, are you good soil? Have you allowed the environment of your life to be something where what God's doing in your life is not getting choked out? You say he's first place. I'm, I'm going I'm to rip everything out that would get in the way of what he wants to do. Bad things and good things. Sin patterns and putting other events first and other traditions first. I'm going I'm to get rid of those things. And this is what I want to ask you to do right now. Your Heavenly Father loves you so much and he will speak to you if you ask him. I want to I encourage you right now in Jesus' name, ask the Holy Spirit. God, is there something that needs to be taken out of my life? Is there too much traffic in my life? 
Is there like this footpath type of pattern to my life? Is there, is there so much busyness, so much going on that you're trying to do something great in my life and I'm missing it? Maybe for some of you today, he's whispering to you right now that what you've never done is you've never made a commitment. You've never said, okay, I'm not going to just hear the good news of God, but I'm going to make a commitment. So my encouragement to you today is this is one of those messages. You don't leave here and just go, wow, it was a good message. You leave here and you grab a hoe and you grab a rake and you start stripping things out of your life and you open up your calendar and say, I'm going to take the first and the second and the third of January and I'm canceling all of my plans because because I'm going to be at first revival. And I'm going to go and I'm going to talk to my boss and say, you know what? I used to be able to work on some Sunday shifts, but I ain't doing that anymore because Sunday's for my God. And then I'm going to go to my family and I'm going to say, there's some other things I'm going to change in my life because he's first. And what I want in my life is to be good soil. So Heavenly Father, we stand before you right now and I believe you just spoke into each of our lives. And I pray Right now, God, that you would give us the courage to do what you told us to do. That we would leave here and do our homework and we would change some things and we would commit to some things. And God, that we would shut the TV off and we would cancel some appointments and we would make an environment of our lives so that, God, the things that we don't even understand that you've blessed us with can begin to grow and not be harmed. Thank you that, Heavenly Father, you love every person in this room so much that you've scattered seed to them. You've dropped seed on every head in this room today. And I pray right now in Jesus' name that the enemy would not be able to come and snatch it, that the birds would not come and take it, that the the, the worries of this world and, and the desires for other things would not get in the way for this, that, God, we'd let it get deep into us, help it grow. We love you so much, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for your love, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Let's give our God a shout of praise. I love you guys. I hope you have a wonderful week. See you next Sunday. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at fellowshipgj.com. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.